and welcome to a new edition of the Sportsway Podcast. My name is Fitz Kerrigan. Kershmont. And we are your hosts of this podcast. Um, thank you guys so much. We're just coming uh, in with another episode. Uh, just keep on rolling, trying to be as consistent as we can. Um, but let's get started with JFK's topic of the day. So um, a lot has been going on in the basketball, um, in the playoffs right now. Uh, we know that. Basketball fans know that. Um, and one of the main things was without Joel Embiid yesterday, James Harden had 45 points in the game winner. And I think that that really – the reason why I picked that is because people looked at the, the game, saw Embiid was out, and they're like, oh, Boston's winning this thing easily. Yeah, Tatum had 26 points in the first half. But Harden went off. He had 45 points and – the game-winning three over Al Horford with 8.4 left, and they got a stop on defense. And then Paul Reed closed it out the free throw line. Christian, Paul Reed had a very impactful game. What do you think this uh, – does this kind of – does him having a good game in a place of Embiid, does that – be honest, does that show their depth, the depth of the 76ers, yes or no? Yeah, I'd say so. I think – um, there's a common theme for teams when their superstar has been gone so far in this playoffs. Um, that just the team they really turn it up a notch, and all the role players they know they need to step up. And these are NBA guys. These are guys that have dominated in high school. They dominated in college, and they've been put as role players um, to try and you know back up the superstars. But once those two superstars go out. A lot of these role players, as we've been seeing, are, are stepping up. And mm-hmm. Paul Reed is just another example of that. Uh, Ten big points for a guy who averages four a game. So that's – that's. And he had 13 good. rebounds. 13 rebounds to go along with that. So that's really impactful. That's the type of plays that you need from your role players uh, to, in order to step up. So, like, we've seen this with the, with the 76ers as a whole. Uh, as they beat Boston. We also saw this with Miami today, even though they lost. They made it a very, very interesting game against the Knicks. Without and Jimmy Butler, we'll talk about that. It was, a, it was a nail but, nail biter. So, yeah. This is definitely something we've and been. Josh Hart took over. And even in the Bucks series, I know Fitz, it's a, Fitz doesn't like to talk about that, but. I mean, yeah, I've, come, I've, out, come, I've come to terms with it. Yeah. Even when Giannis first went out, the game after, the Bucks. They really rallied and they put it, they destroyed the Heat in game two. They put up 25 threes. Yeah, so we, this is what we've seen. I, I'm not saying the 76ers uh, can sustain like this series against the against the Celtics with Embiid out because they definitely need him back uh, in order to win the series. But this is a really this is a really big win for them. They're able to steal a win at home. I mean, away at home for Boston, and they're able to steal one with and beat out. So that's just really good for them. But you know what was a little bit crazy? PJ Tucker had zero points and he didn't take a single shot. Yeah, well, he's more of a defensive guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, the only thing that he's good shooting wise is his corner threes. He did have two steals. Yeah. Two steals, an assist, five rebounds. 
37 minutes. 37 minutes. Yeah. He was basically just sitting in the corner and staying out of the way. Tatum at, Tatum finished with 39, 11, and 5. Just not enough. He, he, had, 20... he had 26 in the first half. Mm-hmm. That means he only had 13 in the second half. That's you, you need your stars to step up later in the game as opposed to early in the game. I know. Uh, as I like to say, peaked at the wrong point. Yeah. That's what I described the Bucks series. They peaked in game two and then just went downhill the rest of the way. Mm-hmm. De'Anthony Melton had 17 points off the bench. Tyrese Maxey, 26. A lot of other people stepped up, but James Harden was the main uh, faculty. He had seven threes, including the one over Al Horford to win the game. And Sixers still won on the road in Philadelphia when not a lot of people thought they would. And this is big because... They're the lower seed. They needed to win a game on the road at least. Now with this game, with this game it, under their belt, they have that now. So this this is why that's really big, and that's why it, that's why it's called JFK's topic of the day. And that with that being said, that wraps up JFK's topic of the day. Okay. Now for Mott's moment, I actually learned something very interesting today. That's why it's Mott's moment. I actually learned that Stan Van Gundy and Jeff Van Gundy are brothers. I actually learned that today. I actually are you serious? That. Yeah, I'm serious. I Van know. Gundy and Van Gundy. I know, I didn't put two and two together. I never thought about it like that. But then I was like, hmm. They're both fat. They have the same last It's not that hard. They have the not same that last hard. Name. They kind of look the same. So I looked it up, and sure enough, they're brothers. So I, I What other really Van cool. Gundy do you know? I, I I just didn't really think about it like that. I just thought thought of them as their own separate people, but no, I guess both, I... they're both ugly as hell. So I thought it would be easier for you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, um. But yeah, that's actually crazy that they both are commentators. I know uh Stan Stan Van Gundy. They were both coaches. Coach. They were both was coaches. Jeff Van Gundy. He was a coach too. Jeff Van Gundy coached for the Knicks when Mark Jackson played for the Knicks. He did. Yeah. Oh, that's how they know each other. Well, that's – I mean, they know each other from broadcasting, but they knew each other yeah. before that. Yeah. And then Mark Jackson was broadcasting before he got the Warriors job. And then after he got fired, he went back to being a broadcaster. Oh, okay. Uh, the more you know. I wasn't into I, – I've only gotten to, into basketball for, like, what? Like, probably, like, three years yeah. now. Yeah. So, yeah. like – Figured. I didn't know this stuff. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Valid. Okay, that's my moment. All right. Just the fact that they were brothers. Yeah, I didn't know that. Uh, moving on. Um, let's move. Uh, we talked about the Philly game yesterday. I also want to touch on the fact Phoenix, they're down 2-0. With, and Chris Paul has been ruled out for games three and four. Already? And yes, He'll be what? reevaluated in a week. He's been ruled out for game three Friday in Arizona. He's been ruled out for yeah, game four Sunday in Arizona. And if there is a game five, he's ruled out for that. And that game would be in Colorado. He needs to retire. Really? Yeah. Really? Mm-hmm. What makes you say that? I'm, cu- Just, I'm, I'm he's, curious. He's been trashed in the playoffs for the past three years now. He's only been a liability. The – he had a total collapse when they. I think the Suns were not, yeah the number one seed last year in the Dallas in the Dallas series. Obviously, the whole team didn't. Well, do the Booker best. had a collapse in game. Well, 
The whole team had a collapse in game yeah. seven. But Yeah, but Chris Paul was a no-show in that series. And then uh, in the finals, when it mattered most, when he was able to he, – he could could have got his best – I mean, his first uh, championship, he was a no-show then too. So I just think it's time for him to pack it up. He can never – he's like – he can never put together more than like one good game in a row, especially in the playoffs. Just like – too too taxing for him so i think i think he needs to retire he's 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 starting to become a liability on that team so now that now cameron Payne's gonna have to be a starter for the suns and that's not a role he's very used to but yeah but remember keep in mind against the clippers back in 2021 paul tested positive for the coronavirus cameron Payne was the starting point guard in games one and two when he had and those were good games for him yeah. So he's been in that position before. It's not the first time he's been having to be called the starting point guard. But he just has an ugly ass shot. So I, I can't trust him. That's valid. That's valid. Yeah. Um But I mean, you're he's he's been in that position before. This is not his first time that he's been called the Starting point guard in the playoff in a playoff series that they needed, and I, I think he, I think this is a big loss though for the Suns because Chris Paul I know he doesn't score the most points I know he's not the best on defense but his main thing for the Suns is he just gets that offense moving he keeps it he keeps the ball moving and uh, not always stagnant so uh, he's he basically runs their offense obviously since he's been nicknamed the point god and all that stuff uh, one of the better point guards in the last few decades but um like this he's such a big uh part of their team and he's again not going to be there for the next three three games so but but keep in mind that that duo of Cameron Payne and Jack Landale in the game together it's been pretty good that's kind of like the most Underlooked point guard to center. Uh, because keep in mind, Bucks Suns at home. I was at that game. And Cameron Payne and Jack Landale, when DeAndre Aiden got, had foul trouble, so he had to go to the bench. They rested Chris Paul. And Cameron Payne and Jack Landale just went crazy. Jack Landale had a lot of easy pockets. Cameron Payne was uh, raining threes. And then when Chris Paul and DeAndre Ayton came back into the game. It was just like a collapse. So in some instances, the Chris Paul losing Chris Paul might be better because he kind of slows their offense down. Cameron Payne, yes, he had a he had, he's coming off a back injury, but he gets their offense moving. Chris Paul just kind of like eh, like uh, yeah, cool. Thirty-seven. I just lightly brisk up the court. Well, actually, I, I disagree because I, I think Chris Paul, as I said earlier, I think he – that's his thing. I think he keeps offense moving because as we saw in game two after he got injured, it was just a lot of iso ball with uh, Booker and Durant. They weren't – there wasn't a lot of passing and movement going on. It was just like, oh, give it to Booker, set him a screen, let him Booker iso. Booker 35. I, I know he had a good game, but how did that go for them? Not very well. They need the, to get everyone on their team going, not just one guy or not two good, guys. Not good because the Joker had 39. Well, well, yeah, Joker actually – well, he – bro, the Nuggets were able to sneak out a win with 
uh, Jamal Murray playing terrible. That's, oh, he played. Jamal Murray played like garbage. He let he, he let the he door hit a, the Suns and they just yes, couldn't take it. But he hit a shot. He that had, was a tough he shot. hit the the one in the fourth quarter. He Michael Malone said it in his coach's interview. He's like Jamal Murray. He believes in himself. Um, he just shakes it off. He's not a victim. He just keeps going. And yeah. in that instance, he just kept he just kept rolling. Everyone has their off shooting nights, and he came out big when it mattered most. Yeah, for sure. But yeah, I think I also what you were saying earlier. I that's the that's the regular season so far in the postseason. Cameron Payne really hasn't done much, and now because he hasn't played, he's been injured. I know, but he's still now he's expected to be the starting point guard, um, and replace Chris Paul. And I, I just don't see that working out well. We'll see, but I, I just don't, I just don't like that Chris Paul's going to be gone. Okay, that's valid. Um, yeah, but anyway, Nuggets win by this was a low-scoring game. Both teams were held under a hundred points. When was the last time you saw that? Yeah, not in a while. Yeah. Both teams also shot terribly from the three-point line. Yeah. Suns were six from th- of thirty-one, and the Nuggets were seven of twenty-seven. Both teams shot. I know twenty-five percent, twenty-five under thirty percent. It was not good. Jamal Nuggets. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah, he was over nine from three, and he kept trying to shoot his way out of it, and he couldn't. But uh, anyway, Nuggets get the win, ninety-seven, eighty-seven game. Game three is Friday, May 5th, single day Mayo in Phoenix at the Footprint Center in downtown. Phoenix is looking for right now. So we'll find out. I'm excited to see. Cool, well, play what, some. what are your thoughts on Chris Paul? Do you think he should retire? Mm, retire is a little far. Really? He's pretty old. He's as old yeah, as he's LeBron. old. But yeah, well, yeah, he's as old as LeBron. But like, it's too early to tell right now. If I think that he doesn't have a good year next year, then he should retire. It's too soon right now. I mean, yeah, I I just think like. He can do his thing in the regular season. Besides, he signed a he signed a contract that lasts until he's forty. We could still retire anyway. But I know, but that's I, like I, I'm the only reason why I'm saying you don't right now is because he's already he's in a contract right now. That's well, why it doesn't matter. Can, he, yeah, yeah, I know that, but it's just like that's the reason why I think he shouldn't. Okay, well, when you can't perform well in the playoffs and he hasn't done it for the past three years, I think there's a time where he needs to call it quits. You can do good in the regular season, but the, at the end of the day, the regular season is just like it, – it only, only, the only thing that matters really is the postseason, to, especially to most players. Obviously, there's a lot of regular season awards and stuff that goes on, but the whole time they're fighting for postseason seating. And when – Chris Paul has not been able to be himself for the past probably I'd say three years in the playoffs when it matters most. I think that's that's where where, where we see his decline. That's when he I think he should be able to see it's time to 
it's time to hang it up, especially when he, he hurts his groin just going up, jumping up for a rebound. Like, come on. Yeah, I mean, yeah, he's getting old. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna argue with you about that. But not everyone's like LeBron. Not everyone can just be a super freak at age 38 or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'd agree. But I mean, I think you should still give, still give him a chance. Well, obviously he's gonna be in control of when he when he hangs it up. But if I was him, I think. I'd want to retire while while he's like I'm still like good, not just like a, a role player. Unless he wants to be like a, 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 unless he wants to be like a Udonis Haslam type guy, like he just is like a veteran presence on a team for the rest of his career or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I just want to bring up real quickly that uh, this is we're going we're moving on a little bit to to hockey, is uh, for a quick sec. And the Boston Bruins, the number one team in the NHL, lost in overtime, um, four to three. And the floor, just I know you, we don't talk about hockey at all, but the Florida Panthers had three shots, three really good shots at goal in overtime, and they missed all of them. So, and also Boston blew a three-one lead. Us basketball fans know a thing or two about that. Um, yeah, so they blew a three three to one lead. Very sad because they had the best record in the NHL, and then it was a rough twenty four hours for Boston because they lost game one at home. So a rough twenty four hours in TD Garden. Uh, yeah, with the it's hockey in the team. Same arena. Yeah, TD Garden. Yeah. Oh damn. Yeah. Uh, also. Same for Denver fans, if they would have lost last night. The Avalanche, the defending Stanley Cup champions, are out of the playoffs, and they lost 2-1 to one on their home ice. I don't know. I don't know what you call it. Home ice. Yeah, you, we, yeah whatever. Home town. Um, hell, I don't know what you call it. Um, I think it's home ice. I think it's home ice. Yeah, it's we are, yay. Listen, if you guys are hockey fans, you can tell you you like you can tell Christian and I don't follow hockey because we're like okay for like, like the all five people stuff. in the United States that are hockey fans. Yeah, <laughs> I'm so sorry. It's more of a Canadian sport or Russian sport. Uh, okay, okay. Um, but the Seattle Kra- they lost the Seattle Kraken. It didn't even exist two years ago. So a little bit, a little <laughs> bit. They're yeah, an expansion a bit, team. Li- yeah, a little bit uh for the Avalanche right now. You won the Stanley Cup last year. Oops, you're um, you lost to a team that didn't even exist two years ago. A little, little bit depressing, but it's all part of it's all part of the game. That's why sports is so fun. Um, let's move on to the let's move on to the other game that. Let's move on to the games that took place today. Well, let's and... talk about Joel Embiid first. Oh, uh, yes. Joel Embiid won the 2022-2023 NBA regular season MVP. Well-deserved. Uh, he had a he beat out uh, Nikola Jokic and Giannis Antetokounmpo, who had both won two MVPs prior. They, they Those two have combined for the last four MVPs. Giannis won... Back to back, 2018-19, 2019-20, and Nikola Jokic won the last two MVPs. So, 
Very deserving for Joel Embiid. He averaged about – he was the scoring champion this year, so we kind of saw it coming. Christian, did you see the MVP coming for big Joel Embiid, or do you yeah. think it was either going to Jokic or Giannis? No, I think most of the basketball world, including myself, uh, knew at least down the stretch that it was going to be a Joel Embiid. But I have a big question for you, Fitz. Because, yeah, what's up? Um, as we know, uh, Kendrick Person, Perkins okay. made yeah. a statement in the middle Modi, of Moody. Near the end of the year. Yeah, that guy. <laughs> he, he made a statement saying that Jokic shouldn't be like the MVP, and then it seems like that after that, the uh, odds because at that time Jokic was the favorite, but then after like that whole segment on first take, the odds really quickly shifted um, to be Embiid, even though the Nuggets went did go on like a couple game skid near the end of the. Uh, year they still had the best con- uh, record in the West, while the 76ers finished with the second, I believe, second or third best record in the East. Maybe, uh, yeah. So, do you think, like Kendrick Pers- Perkins, his uh, take on first take? Do you think that actually affected that, that like the 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 MVP race, and or were you not even aware that that had happened? Uh, well. First, do you want me to be completely honest with you? Yeah. I had no clue that he said any of that uh, stuff on first take. But I don't think it affects – like, are you talking about, like, it Like it drove him to be better? Well, I was just – like, for a long time, for the basically the whole year, and even near the end of the stretch uh, of the year, Jokic was the front runner, was a clear front runner for his, to win his third MVP. But then – the Nuggets, I they did go on a, a little bit of a of a skid, like yeah. But I mean, people year. thought people also thought it would have been Jokic because Nuggets had one of the best, uh, one of the best. They had the best record in the West. Yeah. So why all of a sudden did Joel become the top guy? When well, I think he became the top guy because Philadelphia was kind of like uh, like the East. The East is very – the East was very standard. It was like one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. The West was like three through four, three through 13 was a battle. Um, but I, I think Joel Embiid had a, a great year, a great scoring year. And for a big man, that's tough to do. So I think that's what made him the uh, candidate for – because it's all regular season. You put the playoffs aside. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Completely. Um, you put the playoffs aside, it's just regular season. I think Joel Embiid averaged like 33 points a game in the regular season. I think that's definitely what got him up there to become where he's at. I mean, like, um, it's hard to explain. It's kind of hard to explain, but I think – I don't think Kendrick Perkins is wrong. I think, like, yeah, you're right. I remember because, yeah, I I do agree with you because they were giving Jokic uh, some MVP stuff. But then Jokic was kind of playing, like, like later, like kind of closing out the season. Like, yeah, yeah, Denver, yeah, they were the number one seed, but it took them a while to clinch it. Okay, so I just want to give you the stat line. So, Joel Embiid averaged 33.1 points per game. 10.2 10.2 rebounds and 4.2 assists per game. And yeah. then Jokic, that's in the regular season. Yeah, I know. Yeah, and then hold on. I want to pull up Jokic. He also won uh, 
Joel Embiid also won the scoring champion. So, yeah, was the scoring champion. So well, as soon as I saw scoring champion, I'm like, oh, Joel is gonna win MVP. Well, then Jokic averaged 25 a game, uh, 11.8 rebounds per game, and 9.8 assists per game. Do you? Think, I think the main one of the. Re- Go ahead. I think if Jokic would average 10 assists per game and averaged a triple double for the year, it would have been at least a little closer. Yes, hundred percent, hundred and ten percent. The only reason why I think Joel won because what was the last what was the last big man you remember to average thirty three points? I think also a big part of it was that he was a back to back scoring champion and he averaged thirty three points a game. That was a big part of it. You think there's a little v- voter fatigue? People no. are really tired of voting Jokic all the time, so they wanted to mm. Joel. Well, I mean. I wanted Joel to win out of those guys if it wasn't uh, Giannis, just because he hadn't won one before, and he, uh, I think he was deserving of it. I mean, being NBA MVP is tough. Yeah. I mean, it's not something that's given to you. But Christian, I got a question for you. When uh, you 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 mean, uh, you mean this guy, right? You mean that guy? Yeah, Kendrick Perkins. <laughs> yep, Adam Man. Moody, 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 Make Joel Embiid the front runner for MVP, like make him win MVP. Well, yeah, I was just wondering if you thought it changed the odds because I watched a YouTube video on it and it seemed before the that take on first take, uh, Jokic was the front runner, and then a little bit after, just a couple days after, uh, then Embiid became the front runner. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, I wouldn't say, um, I wouldn't say that. It was like, it was like I think it maybe motivated him to want to be better, but it's possible. I don't think that it was the it was part. The fans were the fan. I don't think because voting at the end of the day is all up to the fans. Yeah, it's all up to the media. Mm-hmm. It's all up to the fans. It's all up to the media. I don't think that had any that. Kendrick Perkins take, I don't think that had anything to do with the voting. Okay. Um, but well, that, I, I think that eight at I think that eight at Joel Embiid and wanted him to I think that made him play better. But I don't think that I don't think that it was like it was why. Yeah. So well yeah, I, I can understand that. I just think, it did, in my opinion, it didn't help. It, it definitely didn't help Jokic's case. Um, and, you know, the, it, it also did happen. Um, when the Nuggets were on, like, their worst uh, their worst losing streak of the year. And during that time, Jokic, uh, Embiid was playing some of his best basketball of the year, too. So, you know, um, that's probably what ended up happening. Jokic mm-hmm. was the clear frontrunner for most of the season for the NBA MVP, uh, at least according to like 
the the odds by like Vegas and stuff. But near the end, that's when Embiid overtook him. And you know, congrats to him because he's been second place for I think the past two years, and he finally yeah. was able to get one. Mm-hmm. So he's yeah. definitely got to give you got to give Embiid some props. I mean, he's been so close, and like we said, he was the scoring champion last year. Yep. Um, he was a scoring champion last year, so I think very deserving of Joel Embiid, very deserving of it, and I'm happy for him. Okay. Um. All right, let's move on to the games today, and then we can NFL draft. So Jalen Brunson led the Knicks to – Jalen Brunson had 30 points, five rebounds, two assists, but the main aspect people are looking at is the scoring – and he led the Knicks to a 111-105 victory over the Miami Heat to tie this series up at two game at excuse me at one game apiece with and the Heat only lost by six without Jimmy Butler. Caleb Martin had 22 points, very uh, impressive. We needed we said we needed somebody. Caleb Martin had uh, 22 points. Six rebounds, uh, eight rebounds, and one assist. So we needed somebody to step up. I think Caleb Martin really stepped up, but it just wasn't enough for Miami. And that duo of Brunson and Randall for New York just really took over. Yeah. Uh, Christian, what do you think about Jalen Brunson? Do you think he's been better this year, or do you think he was better last year with Dallas? I think, I think he's definitely been better this year, at least as a whole. Uh, in terms of maybe postseason, maybe that's a different – at least in the regular season, he's been better. In the postseason, I'd say uh, he's been just as good. But there's also been more pressure on him this year because he's been basically the guy in New York, especially with Randall being inconsistent and with the new big contract he received this offseason. So there's definitely been Brunson? more pressure. Yeah. There's definitely been more pressure on it for him to perform this year, and he's really lived up to that so far. Um, and you know, he's just, a he's just a real consistent guy. He was real f- efficient tonight, shot over 50% from the field, which usually is pretty difficult for a guard, especially mm-hmm. when they rely a lot on like the interior game, like he does. And he's actually really short, uh, in NBA standards. Yeah. And NBA standards. Yeah. So he's just always been like sneaky and really efficient. And he also shot really well tonight, six for ten from three. Uh, so yeah, he he definitely got it done. Uh, wasn't the prettiest, but um, and they definitely have a they definitely have their work cut out for them, especially if J- Jimmy Butler returns soon, because they really let the Heat uh give it to him. While he will be back, him. he'll be back for game three. He'll be back for game three. I was yeah. shocked that he was out for game two, just because. How tough he is! Well, they—I think what they were that what they were probably thinking is they they stole a game in New York with Jimmy Butler. Let's not risk making it worse. Let's not risk making it worse, and they already stole a a, a, a road game, so that's valid. That's all valid. Come back at home, probably. Mm-hmm. But what do you think he can do for them when he does come back? Well, I think he's just like a. A calming presence for their team. Like anytime a team has their superstar coming back from injury, they they I, I'm sure it's just a calming experience because they they know that they're 
their squad set. They've got their guy that can they can lean on when times are tough in the game. And, you know, he's a he's he's a veteran presence um, that has just really been balling as of late. And so he's going to take the pressure off a lot of those role players. They can go back to their their roles that they usually do and try to really impact the game in those ways. And, you know, he's he, he just makes everyone around him better with all the attention he draws and his uh, facilitating abilities that he's shown throughout his career. And just pretty much everyone, at least a lot of, like, even, like, a, I'm sure Bam's really happy that he's back because Bam usually plays a lot better when Jimmy's in the lineup. Yeah, just because Bam feeds off of Jimmy's, like, assists and stuff. Yeah. Yeah, but a very good game for the Knicks. It was much needed because you can't go down too well going on the road. Like you, that last, I said that. Uh, I said that to the Bucks as well. If you go down two zero, you lose the first two games at home, and then you got to go on the road. That's like a death wish. Yeah, like you can't lose two games at home and then go on the road, unless you're a really good road team. And and. And the Knicks are not that good on the road. I think they're pretty good. I think they're all right. But point is, is that it's a it's it's pretty much a death wish to go down o two and now be on the road. Yeah, that's all I'm saying. So got the win needed to be done. Uh, game three will be Saturday. In South Beach, that game will be on ABC. Um, so stay tuned for that if you guys are Heat fans or Knicks the, fans. The Knicks are twenty four and seventeen on the road, so that's pretty yeah. Good. I mean, any 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 every road team is better than the Golden State Warriors. Yeah, but I think this is a big time win for New York. Brunson out of game. Also, Brunson plays. Well, in the games they need him to be. Yeah. Like, would you agree with me on that? Yeah, I'd say so, but they did lose it's, game one. I know, but game one was – they lost by seven. Yeah. I mean, game one, Brunson had 25 points. He did miss all of his three-point shots, though, so he did – he had a much better game two. Um, yeah, much better, much better game two. He had, I know for a fact, he had at least one, three. Yeah, yeah, dude, he really stepped up his three point game. Yeah, he was six of, of he was six of ten from behind the line. Yeah. Very efficient three-point game, and I think he revenged himself from game one. Yeah. Oh, of, oh, of seven in game one, six of ten in game two. That's revenging. That's like re- that's revenge, and it was very big. It was very big, and for the Knicks and Madison Square Garden was going crazy. Carmelo, Carmelo was there. Carmelo was there. Aaron Rodgers was there. A lot Thought. of celebrities. Th- thoughts on what? Sauce Gardner. Yeah, oh yeah, Sauce Gardner too. I thought you said Thoughts. No. Oh, okay. So yeah, Sauce was there. I wonder if they burned the cheese head yet. 
Um, so, all right, well, let's move on to the other game that just wrapped up right now. It's another California series for the Warriors, and instead of going up north, they will go down south for when games three and four shift to City of Angels, Los Angeles, and they will not play they will not play the Clippers. They will play the Lakers. And the Lakers Thanks for that. Yeah, yeah, no no problem. Always here for you. Um, and the Lakers got a big win that they needed, just like the Heat in game one. The Lakers needed a win on the road. They got that today. They won 117 to 112. Anthony Davis had 30 points and 23 rebounds. A very big game, as much as I hate Anthony Davis. Um, and I, he was a very big piece of this win. I mean... He, had, he was 11 of 19 from the field, 8 of 8 from the free throw line. When was the last time you heard of a big man making his free throws like that? Well, not Giannis. I know that's hard for you to understand. Okay. Okay. <laughs> okay. That'll, that'll haunt me for a while. Um, but. 13 missed free throws. Okay. Okay. Moving on. <laughs> It's about this Anthony Davis talk. This ain't Giannis Antetokounmpo talk right now. I'm surprised. D'Angelo Russell did not have – LeBron – D'Angelo Russell and LeBron James did not have the best shooting game. Russell was 9 of 19 and LeBron was 9 of 24. Well, LeBron, did, LeBron, did, LeBron did have 22 points. He jacked up a lot of threes. Yes, a lot of threes, and he only made one. Yep. And he missed one free throw down the stretch. And Jordan Poole missed a three to tie it. That was what was really shocking about that. I want to talk about that final play. Jordan Poole shot a 28-footer with, like, there was still time on the clock. Like, when when the Lakers called that timeout, there was four, there was four seconds on the clock, Christian. Yeah. There was four. There was four seconds on the clock. I mean, he had plenty of time. He just rushed it. Do you think? But I think the Lakers had great, amazing defense on that final play. I mean, they double teamed Curry. They wanted to get the ball out of his hands. They did, and he just missed the shot. Is that a? Is that like a missed shot, or do you think he should have made that? Because, like, from when we first saw it, we're like, whoa, that's that's deep. Well, that's the shot he definitely makes occasionally, but you know, it's he was wide open too. So you know, I'm sure he'll make that that in practice. But it's different when it when it the game's on the line. But mm-hmm. you know, he as like I I, I don't want to take it, anything away from Jordan Poole. He had an outstanding game. I think even though he he wasn't he didn't have like the biggest stats coming popping off the stat sheet. He, I I thought he was just he just did so much better. And played like we're used to him playing. Uh, five, six assists and twenty-one points. He was really one of their few reliable guys uh, tonight. Curry was quiet. He had a quiet twenty-seven, I would say. Uh, ten for twenty-four from the field, so it wasn't the best. Clay Thompson was good early, but like, um, 
like Jason Tatum, like we talked about him, he, he, he wasn't able to really be as effective later in the game. Uh, Wiggins, I'd say he was just average, which we're usually accustomed to him being a little above that. Mm-hmm. He had 15 points on decent shooting. But he is he is guarding LeBron. He did pretty well against him tonight. Um, and that's going to drain a lot of your energy guarding someone like that. Yeah. But, yeah. Dude, Golden State, they shoot so many threes. Yeah, they shot 53. Yeah, like, they, they had four less three-pointers made than the Lakers had attempted, but a good shooting team. Yeah. Do you think the Warriors shoot the three ball too much? Like, because the only reason why I'm saying that is because during the game, Wiggins had three offensive rebounds. Poole missed a three. Wiggins got an offensive rebound. Uh, or... I think Draymond, Draymond missed a layup. Wiggins got an offensive rebound. Kicked it out to Poole. He shot a three. Wiggins got an offensive rebound. Clay shot a three. He missed it. Wiggins got an offensive rebound. Curry shot a three. They keep settling for threes too much. Mm. Like, um, Curry had 13 three-point attempts. Christian. Yeah. Well, to answer your question, I do think they shoot they shot it a little too much tonight in general. Um, the main reason why I say that is they just didn't get into the paint enough and more they they barely shot any free throws. They shot six free throws as opposed to the Lakers twenty nine. So I know. When, they kept settling for threes too much. Yeah. That's what, the difference. You look yeah. at the different categories and where oh where why does Golden State not have as many free throws? Oh, look at the three pointers, fifty three threes. That is so many. Well, they I will give it to them. They shot at thirty nine percent from three, which is just out of this world. So they were very efficient from it. But they I I don't think they need they they to win this series they need to be very aggressive in the paint because they can't just let uh. The, the Lakers shoot 20 more free throws than them because especially for the, for the uh, Warriors uh, as a team in general, the free throws are pretty much cash money for them. A lot of their players shoot very high efficiencies from that, from that, from the strike. So um, if they can get to the line, slow down the game, uh, you know, it's great for helping them to uh, rest a little bit and get into their groove if they're not shooting the best, but I think they definitely need to be more aggressive down low. But I think in general, this Lakers team is a, a, a big challenge. It's going to be a big challenge for the Warriors. I do have them figuring out with the, with, you know, Steve Kerr, he's, he's a great coach. I'm sure he'll get his team straight game two and the rest of the series. But um, I do have them figuring out. I think they're going to win in six, but I think this Lakers team, they're going to be real tough because it's almost like an old school type of squad here. We've got they're not they're, they don't have a bunch of guys that are good from shooting outside. They maybe have like two main guys that are good at shooting from outside, um, and the rest they're just defense and uh, passing and uh, points in the paint. And this is a really this is more like old school type team, 
and they've got real good length. So uh, they played the Warriors a bit differently than most teams do as they basically only defended Curry and uh, Thompson from outside the arc while they were able to play off of other guys, even though the Warriors have some other good three-point shooting uh, teammates, team uh, guys. They were able to play off them a little bit and then contest at the last second with their length and get a pretty good contest on people like Wiggins and, you know, uh, Poole and guys like that. So uh, I think this is definitely going to be a a tough matchup for the Warriors. But I'm really uh, relying on – I think the Warriors really need to look for Steve Kerr to – to think up ways that they can beat this uh, defense in the Lakers. But do you think that – well, first of all, they got to learn how to get Steph out of the double team. Because they double-teamed him in that last possession. And kind well, of like, that's eh. the last possession. They're not going to do that the whole game. That's stupid. But, I mean, they got to learn how to do it better when it does come. Well, they got an open look. You can't ask for much more than that. Yeah, but that was a deep open look. Well, you know, maybe he, he could have dribbled it once, but, you know, he, he's definitely comfortable enough with that shot. We've seen him make it many times before, and, you know, he, he missed, and there's times he'll make that shot. Okay. But Yeah, so. But do you think the Warriors rely too much on their three-point shooting? Well, you asked me that already. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. And the Lakers are not a very good free, th- uh, not a very good three point shooting team. Do you think they have to? Because um, they had twenty nine free throws. Do you think? Do you think they can keep up the? It, like you, you said, Warriors in six, right? That's what. Yeah, that's what I think it's gonna be. Yeah. If do you think if this goes to sit, do you think if the Lakers have a chance of winning the series, they have to keep attacking the basket as much as they did in game one? Well, I think that's a given. I think that's what they're going to do throughout this uh, series. It's just can the Warriors uh, match them and can they have, be effective defending uh, the, the the Lakers? But it's going to okay. be a tough matchup. This is not so, uh, this, the Lakers are not the not a traditional NBA team that the Warriors are accustomed to facing. The, the, the Lakers, as I said earlier, I think they're a really old school team type of team right now. Mm-hmm. Well, LeBron's an old, kind of an old school player. Yeah, I mean, you're 20. It's crazy yeah. to think about. But all right, let's move on to the NFL draft. We don't have a lot of time. Let's, Christian. I want you to go through all of the Chargers picks and what you think of them. Okay, one second. I have to pull it up, though. And are you going to go over the Packers after? Yes. Okay. Okay. So right now? Mm-hmm. Okay. So with the with our first round pick, pick number 21, we selected Quentin Johnson, wide receiver TCU. He's uh six two to six anywhere to six two to six four. He's a big body receiver. He played pretty well this year. Um and I actually remember watching him the uh the year before this year 
And I remember he he had a really good game against Oklahoma. That's one of his best uh, games on film. And he had like two insane touchdowns where he basically just mossed the defender. And I was like, yep, this guy's definitely going to the NFL. And flashback to what, two years, one or, one or two years later, now he's, the Chargers got him. I will say I, um, at first I was a little upset because I really wanted the Chargers to draft Zay Flowers, who's a really speedy receiver. He's like he's shorter though, but uh, you know, Quentin Johnson's definitely uh good too, um, and I'm sh- uh, I, he definitely struggled a bit in college, uh, a little bit with you know going up and getting it as a big body receiver, but um, I'm sure Mike Williams, I think he's going into a really one of the perfect receiver groups to learn. Uh, he's gonna Mike Williams is gonna probably teach him how to be better with his size and Keenan Allen will both teach him to be better with his route running. So he has a lot of potential and that's what we drafted him off of. He's not going to need to step in and be that guy right away. But if we can mold him and shape him into the receiver, I think he can be and the Chargers think he can be, he could be, he could be one of the greats for our franchise. So uh, definitely not, not upset with the pick look now. Uh, with our second round pick, number 54, we selected Tuli, T- oh my God, Teopolatu, uh, Edge, uh, USC. So this is like a Edge, he, the, with this pick, um, he's like a versatile defensive lineman. We uh, The Chargers, as you know, Fitz, and probably a lot of NFL fans know, uh, the Chargers really struggled against the run. And yes, while... Yeah, a lot. And while um, yes, he Tuli played a lot of edge rusher at college. Uh, Gleal Mack and Joey Bosa, we got pretty two pretty good edge rushers. So we might slide him to D tackle maybe a little bit because he's definitely got that frame. Maybe if he puts on a few more pounds, but he's definitely got the frame to be a, an effective defensive tackle, and he could also be versatile, which is good. We can different uh plays we could like slide him to be an edge rusher or for different blitz packages or whatnot but as long as he's effective in the run game i think this is a good pick so that's basically why we drafted him we wanted a good run stopping uh defensive lineman so that's what the Chargers were thinking with that with a third round pick number 85 uh we selected dion henley uh linebacker Washington State. This was uh, a pick that I'm really excited about, um, and a lot of other analysts were pretty excited about too. I was watching the draft when they, this this pick pick happened. Uh, some analysts had him as their best re- linebacker in the whole draft, so we I think we got a steal. We'll see how he turns out, but he's uh, uh, apparently he's a very good linebacker um, against the pass, and. He's a pretty stout linebacker in the run as well. And our run, our linebacker groups definitely struggled. Kenneth Murray, our first-round pick from, I think, two or three years ago, has really not lived up to that uh, selection. And so I'm hoping Henley can uh, replace him. And also we need to replace – we lost um, – frick, I don't know why I'm forgetting. The white, the white linebacker that got trucked by Cordero. Um, the white linebacker. 
He got very descriptive. Very descriptive. Very descriptive, Christian. It's actually very descriptive because there's not a ton of white li- linebackers. Uh, Drew Tranquil. There isn't, Tranquil. There, isn't, there isn't Los Angeles. Well, Drew Tranquil, he went to the Chiefs, and we lost him in free agency. So that's another linebacker that we lost. So our, our linebacker room is pretty thin. But we did get um, uh, the linebacker from Detroit. I mean, from not from Detroit, from the uh, – Chicago? No, from uh, – I don't. Why am I for the Vikings? We got uh, Eric Kendricks. Yeah, Eric Kendricks. So shout out to Connor Cook. So we got him too. So, but I think we got a, basically a new linebacker room, which I hope they'll be able to stop the run a bit better. Uh, fourth, fourth round pick, uh, Darius Davis, wide receiver, kick returner, TCU. I was a little upset by this pick. I think there's other. If we were, if we wanted to draft another receiver slash kick returner, I think there's other better options possibly. Um, but I guess it's saying he might. He's going to be our kick returner probably, which I would have liked us to use maybe later, later than a fourth round pick on a kick returner, especially since the Chargers. We got a lot of like positions that we could like fix. We like we lost our uh, free safety or safety this year to retirement and this year utterly. So maybe we could have drafted someone like that or someone other than a kick returner. So, you know, we'll see how he goes. Uh, we, our receiver room is pretty good. We got Keenan, Mike Williams, Josh Palmer, Quinton Johnson. We got um, – I'm forgetting another guy's name, but – oh, Jalen Guyton coming off an of injury. So I don't know why we needed to draft another receiver, but, you know, we'll see how Extra goes. weapons. Well, yeah, he's not going to play a lot as a receiver. He's probably going to be a kick returner, but I, I would like to select a kick returner later in the draft. You never know. That's what we had with Keyshawn Nixon, and he's turned out to be a really good kick returner. Well, I guess uh, if our receivers get injured like they did last year, I'm sure he'll step in. But, yeah. Then we selected Jordan McFadden, guard out of Clemson. Uh, Shuring up that O-line. I don't know if, how our O-line is looking. I think he's just probably going to be a backup, especially since he's a fifth-rounder. But, you know, injuries happen all the time in the NFL. So, you got to protect Jay Herb. And if someone goes down on the O-line, which has been very good when healthy, but has been injured. Uh, we've had a couple linemen injured this year. So, you know, that's good. Uh, he's a good – I think he'll be a good backup. Then we got Scott Matlock, D-lineman, Boise State, sixth round, pick number 200. Uh, you can pretty much guess why we selected D-line there. We need to stop the run. And then our seventh-round pick, we selected backup Max Duggan, QB TCU. So we selected three TCU players this draft class, and Max Duggan is going to have a, probably an opportunity to fight for the second-string uh, job behind Herbert. And, you know, hopefully he Do you like this pick? Um, do I like this pick? No. Hmm. Because... Like I said, I, hopefully he doesn't have to see the field. And, you know, I guess the seventh-round pick, oftentimes it doesn't – people – there's not there's not a, a ton of good players that come out of the seventh round, but except for Brock Hurdy and some other guys. But, uh, you know, there's other positions, like I said earlier, that we could have used maybe more backups and stuff other than quarterback. But, you know, we'll see. Now, I got, a qu- I got a question for you. Yeah. Do you not like – I got two questions. Do you not like two questions in one? But do you not like Max Duggan because K 
can't TCU got their asses kicked in the championship game, or or do you not like him because he got picked in the seventh round? Uh, well, th- yeah. Uh, the biggest moments Max Duggan hasn't really been the best. He was a Heisman candidate this year, but like you said, he played terrible in the championship game. He, I uh, I think he had a pretty bad combine, and I'm pretty sure he had a really bad Senior Bowl. So he hasn't really been showed well uh, in the biggest moments, but. As as of being a seventh round pick, um, you know I'm sure there's other positions that, like I said, that we could have back, drafted valuable backups, and you know his job is going to be to not play. Um, mm-hmm. And Herbert is going to be here for a long time, so I just think there would have been more useful positions, positions that get injured more often that we could have drafted. But we'll see. Yeah. All right. My yes. turn, and then we will talk about the Dylan Brooks situation. Yeah. Um, when with our with our first round pick, we selected Lucas Van Lucas Van Ness, linebacker. Talk about how you, what you thought Iowa that first happened. Mm, my first and my initial thoughts were like, why? And the only reason why I say why. For, well, for two reasons. Number one, we traded up with the Jets to get that pick. Number two, it's the first round. Like I was not expecting to take a, was not expecting to take a linebacker in the first round. I mean, that's that's the only reason why I say why. But I mean, whatever it is, work with it. I think we should have taken JSN. To be honest with you, I can't disagree. You cannot disagree. Sounds like uh, I hope so too. Um, but I mean, other than that, uh, the rest of our draft class was pretty strong. We picked Lucas Luke Musgrave from tight end, Oregon State. He had a pretty good year last year. Had uh, some good catches. Um, and I think he could. Uh, Look, it's another weapon for Jordan Love, and I think a tight end. I think he's really. I think Musgrave is really strong, so he can create his own space. And just, like tight ends are allowed to push off, so I think he'll be able to uh, create some some of his own space. Um, so we that was pick number forty-two in the second round, and in the also in the second round, we picked with our fifty with the fiftieth overall pick. We uh, we got. Jalen Reed, wide receiver, Michigan State. Uh, this kid, this I heard, I heard this kid has an ex- insane vertical, and he had a great game against Wisconsin, the Wisconsin Badgers last year. So I'm looking forward to what this, what he and Christian Watson can do together. Jaden Reed, my 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 bad. Jaden Reed, I'm and I'm excited to see what he and Christian Watson can put together because Christian Watson had a great rookie season last year. If Aaron Rodgers went to minicamp to develop him. He would have been so good at the beginning of the year. But instead, they had to develop midseason, which did not go well. Um, but I think this – he and – Jaden Reed and Christian Watson can really do good things together, and I'm excited to see uh, what they can produce. Um, hold on a sec. And then with our – Third round pick, we picked um, 
I think I'm saying his name right. Yeah, Tucker Tucker Craft, uh, tight end, South Dakota State. I think this is a good pick because it's another it's another guy that we can have on our roster. I mean, we lost Robert Tunyon to uh, the Bears, but I think that the additions of Musgrave and Craft will be really helpful because they are well. First of all, they're tight ends. Any receiver helps. But with the loss of Robert Tunyon, I think this will be really helpful for us because it gives us another tight end. Do you and still have that old tight end? Mercedes Lewis? Yeah. Yeah, and he's inconsistent. He's That's like why I'm ex- – Yeah. He's a kick returner for sure. Um, and then I'm trying to figure out the order, though, where this is all messed up now. I think that so let's pick seventy-eight. Yeah, with our fourth round pick, we selected uh, we selected D- Cody Colby Wooden, defensive defensive line Auburn. I think this is helpful because our defensive line was not the best last year, and especially uh, it was right. It was a rough season for us after losing Zedarius Smith. I know Connor. I know I kept telling Connor he was washed, but Connor really gave me a hard time when Zedarius Smith had a Pro Bowl season. Um, but I think it's helpful because I mean, I think we've lost we've lost some people. I think in free agency, um, I can't I can't put names right now. Um, but I know we lost some people in free agency, and this this helps a lot just because it gives us another person and it improves our defensive line, which really needs some help right now. Um, hopefully, it goes well for us. And then with our fifth round, our first fifth round pick, we picked Sean Clifford, quarterback, Penn State. What is wrong with you? <laughs> What is wrong with you? I mean, this is bad. And what really makes me mad about Packers draft is that they never plan for right now. They plan for... Three years from now, four years from now. Point A, Jordan Love being picked in the 2020 first round. This is not the best pick that the Packers could have made. Could have picked another wide receiver, could have picked uh, something else. But instead, he had to go with Sean Clifford. Whatever, my guy. I think it's an all right pick. It's not our best pick. We've had. Bad- I heard he's the losingest quarterback in Penn State history. I know. Good luck with that. Terrible. Are you kidding me? Well, that's a death wish by Brian Gutekrist. <laughs> no, what the hell? Um. All right, moving on. 
we got a thankfully we made up for it and we selected uh, I hope I am save saying his name right Dante Vion Wicks from wide receiver Virginia uh, Dante Vion I have no clue how to say that Dante Vion mm, yeah that probably sounds right Dante Vion Wicks wide receiver Virginia I think it just it gives Jordan a love another target. With the loss of Lazard, it was. I think this season might be a little bit hard, but I mean, I think what they can do is just like learn from it and move on. I mean, it's just they're getting reps, and if they can just make the most of their opportunity and then have a pretty good season this year or next year, our wide receivers that we drafted, I I, I can accept that, hundred percent. I can accept that. So I think I think it's an all right pick. I mean, I'm excited to see what he can do. So, all right. And that was, I think that was the sixth round, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, no, it was the fifth round, my fault. There's so many damn rounds in the NFL draft. Uh, and then with, we had a lot of seventh round picks, and then with the, our sixth round pick, sixth round pick, we picked Anders Carlson, kicker, Auburn. Yes. <laughs> get Mason, get old Mason Crosby out of Green Bay. He's too old. He's inconsistent. He misses extra points like it's his job. Not like Brett Maher, but. Um, he misses a lot of extra points. He's old, and I'm just excited to see what Anders can do for us. At I mean, Auburn. I don't think they kicked too much, but I think he's one of their good kickers. I mean, it, we maybe could have taken him with like a seventh round pick, but I'll take it. Um, and then. The next pick we picked, Carrington Valentine, cornerback, Kentucky. He was on the defense. Will Le- he was on Will Levis's defense, um, and I, he had a pretty good year. Um, I don't have all. I don't have all these guys' stats available right now, but I think he had a pretty good year. Um, He's a seventh round pick. Hopefully, he can. I think he's. I think he's got a good vertical, which is helpful for cornerbacks. As long as he can deflect balls and maybe catch, I think he could. If he, I think Jair Alexander could be a really good mentor to Carrington Valentine. So. Carrington Valentine, that's a funny name. Yeah, so is Sean Clifford. Yeah, Clifford, the big red dog. Oh, I missed a sixth round pick. With uh, Damn, how many picks did you have? Too many to count. I hate the NFL draft. Uh, <laughs> we so, we selected. There's just too many damn rounds. 
Like the NBA well, is just matter, like, like the first three usually. I know, I know. That's why we never watched day three. Well, our, our family friend Charbonnet got drafted. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah, I, I was watching that. That's cool. Um, and we selected Carl Brooks, defensive lineman from Bowling Green. Um, I think he had a pretty good season. It, again, it improves our defense. Our defense did not have a good year last year. So it improves our defense, and I'm excited to see what what else we can do. So, and then with a seventh round pick, we picked Lou Nichols, running back, Central Michigan. I think this is good for us because he can learn behind AJ Dillon and Aaron Jones. I think that. He he's a good replacement for Jamal Williams, who we lost two years ago to Detroit. Um, and yeah, I think he could just be like a good. If I think Dylan and Jones could be a good mentor to him. Hopefully, he can do good things for us if he's playing. But if not, then see ya. And then we selected an Iowa State guy, Christian. Yes, sir. Anthony Johnson Jr. from. Safety, Iowa State. We needed a safety. Our our secondary did not have the best year last year, and I think this could be somebody. He could look. Uh, he Adrian Amos could be a good mentor to Anthony Johnson. It just, I mean, you just got you just got to defend, and we're good to go. And then with our final pick of the draft. We selected Grant DuBose, wide receiver, Charlotte. Um, I didn't even know Charlotte had a football program. Three receivers in the street. Yeah, dude, dude, this is legit. We're getting Jordan Love some weapons. Three receivers. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. So, looking forward to it. Um. Yeah, that's it for the NFL draft. All right, we got to talk about this is much needed right now. The Dylan Brooks situation right now. And then we got to call it the night. I'm it's a funny fun. situation. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think a yeah, very fun situation. And uh, hopefully, actually, never mind. But Draymond Green said on the Draymond Green show, he said a very important line. Christian, would you like to say what he said? The dynasty doesn't start with you. It starts after you. Very much so, Christian. Uh, And you want to know, you want to tell him what else he said? Uh, He's a bum? No, about the Memphis Grizzlies title contention. Fine. If you want to know why the Memphis Grizzlies aren't a championship contender, look no further than this idiot right here. Yeah. <laughs> He's taking shots at Dylan Brooks. Yeah. I mean, he's on little ones, and Dylan Brooks is at a a weird last couple. I hate Dylan Brooks. And it started in college. Yeah, he owns the biggest college flop of all time. 
hundred percent. And there is, I saw this timeline, and it said like Dylan Brooks, uh, he game one after they won game two, we called LeBron old, and then after their game three loss, he avoid he avoided talking to the media. After the game four loss, he avoided talk. He avoided talking to the media. Uh, he did like something crazy after game five. I don't know what it was. And then after game six, he avoided talking to the media. And yeah, job. Terrible. It's so bad. It's so bad. Uh, and I think that he got fined twenty five thousand dollars for. All his media, all his media violations. I mean, you can't avoid the media, bro. I hope you know that. Yeah. And this is not good. But he is an un. They did not cut him. They did not trade him. He is an unrestricted free agent. But they will not bring him back. He is off of his deal. They, will, they just announced today that they will not bring him back. And good for them. Definitely. This is a win for Memphis. I saw this video today, and it was so funny. And it was like 10 years from now, Dylan Brooks is picking up trash in the park. And it's like, oh, you're that bum who used to play for the Grizzlies. After they... After you left, they had a three-peat without you, and Michael Jordan came out of retirement and played for them. Really? <laughs> yeah, it was pretty funny. Uh, but, I mean, it's just like he's a bum, and he's, he, he's somebody's got to put him in his place. Well, his You know team- what? I, I poke bears. I don't respect anyone until they come out and they give me 40. One LeBron, and that was in a post game conference, post game press conference after LeBron scored thirty nine. He did not score thirty nine. He did. He scored thirty nine. He didn't. Yeah, and he said, "I don't respect anyone until they come out and give me 40. He did not score thirty nine in game two. Yep. He scored thirty nine in one game. No. Well, I thought I saw something that you're said tripping. He did. Well, I thought I saw something that said he did. Well, I'll check, but I'm pretty sure he didn't. Okay. Um. But anyway, still bold words. And then he got a. And then what I found funny was he and LeBron, Dylan Brooks, and LeBron James were having a conversation before Game Three. And then during Game, then then the Grizzlies scored nine points in the first quarter. I think we've talked about that many times. In this, uh, in this show, um, and then he had ejected. Dylan Brooks got ejected in the third quarter by hitting LeBron in the cojones. Oh yeah, kicking out Draymond. Yeah, yeah, and oh my god, I saw something so funny, and it's like Draymond Green is out of his mind. He, this dude thinks he can kick anything. He steps over people. He slaps people. He even he even goes. As far as kicking them in the nuts, because it showed like uh, him stepping over Sabonis, 
and then him smacking Dylan Brooks, and then him kicking Steven Adams in the balls. Yeah. That, that was really funny when I saw that. But uh, Christian, what do you? what's next for Dylan Brooks? China? Shanghai Sharks with Ben Simmons. Yeah. Or the Taiwan Basketball League with Dwight Howard. And Jeremy Lin. Yeah. Well, I think he's going to stay in the NBA. I'm sure there's there's plenty of teams that are going to need some feisty defenders like him. Just not, not the Grizzlies. It's not. He's, he's got. He's got that. He's got that football defense. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Not the right fit for the Grizzlies. Um, I think this hopefully humbles him because he he can be the a Patch Beverly type guy, but you got to be on the court, not just not just off of it. So, uh, I'm sure this is a learning lesson for him, and I think it would be wise for him to learn something from this experience. And I do too. Continue to act the way he is. Yeah, because that's not you don't learn anything from that. He's not going to last in the NBA if he continues to be like this. He's just got to put his head down and work now. That too. I think that this is a very good learning experience. Yep. For him. So, you got anything else you want to add? I know this episode's pretty long. Nope. All right. Well, if you did listen to the whole thing, we appreciate it. And uh, thank you guys so much for all the support. We'll try to come out with more episodes. Uh, I'm Fitz Kerrigan. Christian Mott. And we'll see you guys next time. Good night. Peace.